Hey, welcome back. This is Robert Fleming, one of the partners at the Tucson, Arizona elder law firm of Fleming and Curdy PLC. One of the other partners and my co-host today is Elizabeth Noble Rawlings Freeman. Elizabeth, welcome back to the podcast. You took a, a little time off while we uh, while we used Jackie uh, Mingle, the other partner at the firm, to, to uh, enlighten the public. Well, Robert, I'm happy to be here. Well, that's great. Um, I thought we would talk about something that's kind of near to, near and dear to your heart now that you're back, and that is how to select a fiduciary. And particularly, uh, you know, when you when you choose a personal representative or a trustee of your trust or even a healthcare or financial agent under your power of attorney, you're really giving a lot of power and authority to someone and a lot of control over your stuff uh, and maybe your life in the case of a healthcare power of attorney. And sometimes that's a family member. Sometimes it's easy to say, I only have one child, that child should be in charge. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's a more complicated family dynamic and you need to be looking outside. And we've talked about this before. We've explained that Fleming and Curdy occasionally acts as fiduciary for our clients or for other people's clients when they want to, to name us. But that raises the question that I want to talk about today. How do you, how do you know who should be the fiduciary? Is there, a, is there a set of questions or a guidebook or something that you can use to interview prospective fiduciaries? Good question, Robert. It's so different in every case, and I think that people listening to us today should keep that in mind. When somebody considers who to name or nominate as a fiduciary in an estate plan, we could be talking about, as you've said, any number of different positions, whether it's a healthcare agent or a successor trustee. We can talk to people about whether or not you were discussing a nomination of somebody who may come in as a fiduciary during your lifetime in the event of your incapacity, or possibly on your death. Sometimes we look at what it might look like if you had one fiduciary who could be a family member possibly making healthcare decisions, and then another fiduciary that might be an independent fiduciary like Fleming and Curdy, who would be managing your money and working in tandem with that family member who's making healthcare decisions. So there's really no standard guidebook or playbook when it comes to having these discussions, Robert. And you mentioned something that I think is important for people to understand. We work with a lot of estate planners and attorneys who are outside of Fleming and Curdy, who are not members of this practice, who may call us and say, you know, Robert, I've got a great estate planning client and he is looking for somebody to nominate as a successor trustee. Can you help? And so we get many calls and emails from clients who are around the Tucson area and Arizona, also sometimes outside of Arizona, um, to see whether or not Fleming and Curdy might meet with them and their client to talk about a fiduciary position or a role in the future. So Robert, it really, this call and these questions come to us different ways. Sometimes when we have estate planning clients, as you know, Robert, they may want to talk about fiduciary services and what our firm might provide. And we always try and make sure these conversations can happen in a fashion that a client may feel they have an opportunity to ask questions now or in the future, and sometimes it can just be overwhelming. So I usually approach the conversation, Robert, doing three different things. One, asking myself the question, why would they need us? Is there a pressing health issue? Is there some friction within the family? Does their estate planning attorney simply think they need somebody independent? 
So the why question is important for us to think about. And for somebody who is considering having an independent fiduciary, asking yourself why you might need one is a very good question to start with. The second thing, Robert, that I talk to people about and that I consider and that I think people need to think through is what is this person going to be doing? And what role would we fill? So sometimes people just say, we want a party to oversee our money. Okay, well, what would we be doing then? We would be paying bills, we would be helping with tax returns, we would be helping with distributions. So what would we be doing? The why and the what are very important. And then the how is the last thing that I think we really spend time talking to people about. How would we work with you during your lifetime and on your death? So the why, the what, and the how are really those questions that I think we can talk to people about if and when they're ready to have those discussions. And, and it's obvious that they must have a, a good comfort level with the, with, with the interpersonal reaction. They can't walk into our office and think, holy smoke, these people, I, don't, I can't stand their, their art choices. I don't like the way the staff looks. I, that's not going to work. They need to, to have a warm and, and fuzzy feeling about our office. But I want to go back just one step, Elizabeth, because you mentioned that sometimes other law firms sign, have clients sign documents that name Fleming and Curdy as trustee or some fiduciary. Why would they do that? If law firms act as fiduciary, why would they not name their own law firm as the fiduciary on their client's documents? Well, Robert, there are a whole host of answers to that question, but usually because that attorney that they may be working with is not equipped to run a fiduciary practice. So may not have the staffing, may not have the interest, may not have the expertise. And so it's not uncommon for wonderful estate planners to just not have a fiduciary practice. And not want to have a fiduciary Correct. practice. Correct. It's not a bearing at all on their um, anything like their experience or their talent or anything like that. It's, it's a particular area of practice to run a fiduciary practice. And we meet with many attorneys who um, refer us clients just because they don't do that work. In this town, for instance, in Tucson, Arizona, in the, the uh, middle of the 2020s, um, there are only about three or four law firms that do any significant amount of acting as fiduciary, and maybe a half dozen that ever do it. So it's, it's more the exception than the rule, and that's, that's one thing that, um, that, that people need to understand. But we're not the only people in town. So how do people, how do our clients or other law firm's clients, how do they choose between us and one of the other fiduciaries? And by the way, not all of the other professional fiduciaries in town are lawyers at all. Correct, Robert. Well, one of the questions that comes up again is the why. Why would they speak to us? Well, it may be because they're looking for a fiduciary who does not only work as a agent under a financial power of attorney or trustee work or work as a personal representative, but they also want somebody who handles healthcare related work. So one of the reasons people come in to talk to us, Robert, is because Fleming and Curtius fiduciary does not only handle the dollars and cents, but we've got four wonderful full-time case managers in a 24-hour on-call phone. So sometimes the why people come to us is because they're looking for comprehensive services that include healthcare decision-making. Back to the question that I started with. Is there a handbook, a set of questions, something that people could 
could refer to? Should they ask uh, how, how much money is under management, how many staff members there are, um, how long they've been in the fiduciary business? What are the questions that are important? Those are all important questions, Robert. One of the other questions that I think is people's top of mind, they really seldom want to ask, but is how, how much do you charge? How do you set your fees? When are you paid? Those are important questions to make sure that we address at the very beginning of a conversation around fiduciary services. And the answers to those questions actually depend on the case and what we're doing and when we're acting. Some of the other questions that are important to address are, who is doing the work? And that's when we get Robert to talk to somebody about in detail what they want us to do. So if somebody wants us to be making healthcare decisions in the event they were not able to do that for themselves, we need to talk to them about our case management department. So asking about who are the folks that would carry out your wishes is a really important area of questions to spend time talking to a fiduciary about. Even if you don't have a fiduciary who might make healthcare decisions for you, it's important to know who's going to be reconciling statement, who's going to be talking to your financial advisor, who would be the party who would be implementing the financial advisor's recommendations and giving the okay? What about taxes? What about things like that, Robert? And one of the most important questions, what happens when your toilet breaks? (laughs) Uh, I'm not sure I know the answer for myself when that happens. Well, Robert, those are the folks that we need to make sure understand that we've got an in-house property manager. And one of the things that people think about with financial decision makings is they think about their investments but they don't always think about the fact that their home or their car would be considered assets that are part of their estate and at Fleming and Curdy we've got a property manager who helps maintain those assets. I guess the final thing we can say is that if you're not sure what questions to ask we can actually help you. We're happy to have an actual conversation with people who are considering naming us where we go over the things that, that cause them anxiety or that they didn't know caused them anxiety, that we can offer up some of the, the questions that they could ask us and other people. We're really interested in having having anybody who comes to our office as a, for us to be a fiduciary, having that relationship be positive and constructive. And, and that's, that's just the way we roll. And Robert, to that point, we do get calls from financial advisors and banks We get calls from CPAs. It's not only other attorneys who may call us about a client who may need assistance. And and that's one of the reasons why oftentimes some of the initial meetings may be outside of our office with another advisor um, who wants to make an introduction. And for anybody who's listening today and this feels uncomfortable and overwhelming and may make you feel sad or mad or glad or worried, um, that's all good. These conversations are not the typical conversation that many of us are used to having. You and I have these conversations routinely because it's part of what we do for families. But I feel a lot of people, Robert, when we start talking about fiduciary work, it's such a foreign area and it's an area ripe with emotion and for many people anxiety that they put off the conversation. And so sometimes we'll meet with people and they'll wanna hear a little bit about what we do and how we might help them and they're just not ready to continue the conversation then and there, Robert. And sometimes these conversations may take place over the course of three years, four years, 10 years, 15 years. I mean, you're working with families now as a fiduciary who you started these conversations with years ago, and they were not ready for whatever reason to move ahead with naming a fiduciary. It's a hard decision. So people should take their time and not feel pressure. 
I think that's a good place for us to stop. There's a lot more we could talk about, but uh, but we want to have that conversation with you, not just at you. So um, ask us about acting as fiduciary if you're considering a professional fiduciary, whether it's us or another professional fiduciary. We can help you understand what the what the ins and outs and questions and concerns are. My name is Robert Fleming, and I've been chatting with Elizabeth Noble Rawlings Freeman. We are two of the partners at. Fleming and Curdy PLC, a Tucson, Arizona elder law firm. This podcast is called Elder Law Issues, and we uh, we have issues, and we deal with elders and the law, and so we thought it was a, an appropriate enough name. We hope you will join us again for some one of our future podcast episodes. Talk to you then.